morning, everybody. Good to be with you. Um, I've got a PowerPoint, which I'm hoping is going to come up. Um, As you know, I'm a teacher, so I couldn't resist putting the date on there. It was all I could do to resist putting classwork and asking you to underline the date and title. Um, We're starting a new series, uh, and we're going to be using this book for this uh, series um, called Welcome by Jen Oshman. And uh, this first uh, episode of this new series is called How Jesus Welcomes Us. And Jen's titles within the chapter are The Sacrifice of Jesus, Following After Jesus, and then Having a Heart of Welcome. Uh, This is going to follow on really nicely from the last couple of weeks. We've had a great couple of weeks at church, haven't we, with uh, Wayne sharing this new vision for the church, Jesus at the heart of everything, and then uh, Dennis Peathers coming last week, uh, building on that with what was a a simple uh, diagram, but with an incredibly powerful message, wasn't it? This, This circle of here's everything, and then here's where Jesus should be at the center of it, and then what it's like for so many of us, actually with me at the center of it, and Christ out to the side. When he showed that picture, I thought, my goodness, he can see into my soul. This is so pertinent to how uh, we live life. And then the additional challenge to us as a church of, here's everything we do at church, and here's dangerously us at the centre of it with Christ off to the side. So this series that we're going to be doing is about bringing some of these things together, looking at how we make Jesus at the heart of everything for ourselves, at the heart of everything for our church, and then how we can share that message with those around us, how we can welcome others into God's family. Beautiful uh, worship this morning um, from Josh. This idea of being adopted into God's family was really uh, powerful. For those of you that don't know, I'm actually the head teacher at the the school where Josh comes to school. So earlier in the week, he wrote to me, Dear Andy, and I thought, really? (laughs) Okay. He said, so what's the plan? What what are you you preaching on? What's the the thought? Um, And honestly, Dear Andy was was quite right. I was quite right. And and I I gave him a few thoughts. This is what we're going to be talking about. And then I suggested some some songs. And I was absolutely delighted to see that Josh ignored all my (laughs) suggestions, which can't be easy, can it, when your head teacher says, you know, this, this and this. But the songs you picked were fantastic. He's saying one of them was picked. One of them was. Probably I I picked one with an old title. And then the new title is uh, a much better song. Anyway, great, great worship, which led brilliantly uh, towards this message um, today, I hope. Now, as you know, I often like to start with a, a little puzzle, some maths, a bit of logic, um, and I had a bit of criticism uh, last couple of times, so it's a bit hard and a bit too tricky. So I've gone for something a bit simpler. Uh, this week, we're just going to do a picture round, okay? A little picture puzzle. All you've got to do is work out what these three people have uh, in common. Who are they and what do they have in common? So here they are. Lots of shaking of heads, lots of shrugging, lots of give up. Anyone want to offer anything? Pardon? 
They're all actors. No, they're not actors. None of them are the Kardashians. No. Um, I'm glad that you don't know who they are. Um, They're all from TikTok. Um, There is a parallel universe going on in the world, um, which I know vaguely about because I work with teenagers all day. Uh, TikTok is an incredibly popular social media app where people can upload 15-second videos of themselves with additional music and other features, and uh, it's incredibly addictive. And, and these three people are the three top influencers on TikTok, and you have never heard of them. <laughs> and that's because there is this parallel universe going on. If I showed these pictures at school, there would be a riot. I would be unable to get a word in because there would be so much excitement. The lady on the left there, um, Charlie D'Amalio, something like that, has 151 million followers. And all she does is dance to songs that aren't even her own. Her latest upload is her getting into her car to drive to Dunkin' Donuts. (laughs) 287,000 people had watched it within a couple of hours of it going up live. Uh, These people are dominating, dominating a youth culture and having a huge influence. And, and here's us with our incredible last couple of weeks of Wayne Dolson and Dennis Peathers. Dennis Peathers, you know, top international speaker. His YouTube video from last week here has been watched by 145 people. And we've got this incredible message and no one really is listening to it. The 145 people who watched it was just us going, oh, it was really good, I'm going to watch it again. Uh, watching now online on YouTube, I was checking as we were going, I'm going to break the internet now by watching myself on <laughs> currently being watched by seven people. <laughs> Six. <laughs> I put a message on there earlier saying, looking forward to you joining me online. No responses. I'm not taking it personally. But as a challenge here, I want you to consider that there is a parallel universe out there. There is a a lot going on that we're having very little um, impact on. So this next series that we're going to do is going to solve TikTok and it's going to solve all our uh, problems as a church. We're going to look at how we can... Uh, welcome people into our faith through good old-fashioned human contact. Scrolling through TikTok is not creating uh, contact. It's leaving people feeling bereft of emotional contact. And this series is about how we can actually capitalise in a society which is desperate for good news and desperate for emotional Connection. So we're going to look at the sacrifice of Jesus, we're going to look at how we can follow in Jesus' footsteps and how we can develop a heart of welcome. Um, I'm going to start with a, a prayer, and then we're going to say this prayer again uh, at the end of the service and encourage you to see if you feel that at the end of the service you can pray it out loud with me. I'm just going to pray it now as we start. Let's pray. Father God, as we, your people, gather in your name today, May we be a family defined by its servant-heartedness. Jesus, may we be inspired to follow your example. Be at the heart of everything. 
Holy Spirit, soften our hearts so that those around us may see your love, believe in your mercy, and receive your invitation. Amen. Uh, here's, a, here's another picture round for you. Uh, where is this? I knew someone would say Sawyer's Hall Lane. Love it. Yes, it's Sawyer's Hall Lane. Well done. You can read. Uh, this is in which town? Brentwood. Now, 30 years ago, almost to the day, I arrived in Sawyer's Hall Lane. I came from Surrey. Uh, I have now been an Essex boy for 30 years. 30th anniversary. I came to Sawyer's Hall Lane to study uh, to be a teacher. And I've been reflecting on the fact that 30 years ago, I drove into Sawyer's Hall Lane in a blue Fiesta. And I still do that to this day. Four Fiestas on, not the same one. But I have been driving into that road for four years to train to be a teacher and then 26 years as a teacher, serving in that road. Serving God through teaching loads and loads of lessons, um, through um, coaching football clubs, through um, organising Christmas plays, through being part of schools in that road and um, hopefully changing the lives of young people. Um, I now lead a church, lead a, a school in that road, a school which has uh, 1,100 students in it, and Josh, um, and we um, lead them in a, in a journey of faith. It's a school with a, with a Christian heart. Uh, we pray in school every day. We, we pray for our students. We pray for our staff. We talk to them um, about God on a daily basis. And it is um, a wonderful um, place. I encourage you to come and see it at some point. God is doing great work there. And I feel like I am serving God in that place. Um, we've been there for uh, 12 years now at, at Beckett Keys. Um, and God is at work there. I've been serving God in this in this road, and I've been reflecting on that. I've also been reflecting on the welcome that I received when I first came. When I arrived in, in Sawyer's Hall Lane, uh, I went to the church at the end of the road to see what it was like and see whether it would be the right church for me to go to. And as I was looking through the window, I spotted there was an overhead projector. And I thought, oh, it's a modern church. This is quite good. <laughs> I also noted that there was a drum kit, and I like the drums, so I, I thought this looks good. And they had Mission Praise, which was state-of-the-art 30 years ago. Um, and there was also a lady there who was cleaning. And that lady who was cleaning came to the door and said, would you like to come in and have a look around? She talked to me about the church, and she took my telephone number, which I can't work out how she did now, because obviously we didn't have mobile phones in those days. But somehow, I must have given her the number of the, 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 the place I was staying. And then that night, the pastor of the church phoned me up and, and made me feel incredibly welcome. And I thought, this is the church for me. It's funny how life goes, isn't it? Because I then went to that church. That's where I met Joe. We got married in that church. And I became part of a, a very special kind of youth leaders program in, in that church, which I think made a massive uh, impact, made a big difference to my life. God, I believe, took me 
into Sawyer's Lane. He had a, a plan for me way beyond what I would have thought of 30 years ago. If you'd said to me as an 18-year-old, you will be leading a secondary school with over 1,000 students in it, with over 100 staff, all in the name of God, in this road, I would have thought, no way. I would have run a, a mile. I was training as a primary school teacher, for goodness sake. What on earth are you talking about? And of course now, 30 years on, Holly has just started her journey uh, in teacher training uh, down in Winchester. So who knows what the future may be for her, my daughter, Holly. Um, anyway, Wayne said, don't talk about Beckett Keys. <laughs> so I better stop talking about that and get on with what's in the, in the book. But I wanted to just re- refer to those things because they do illustrate the amazing thing God can do through us if we let him. What we should be looking at is not the story of Andy Scott Evans, but the story of Jesus Christ and his um, incredible journey. He didn't just move from Surrey to Essex. He came from the heavenly realms to earth 2,023 years ago, left his incredible heavenly throne, his incredible heavenly body, and came as a frail baby, uh, born to a teenage mum, homeless, who had to lay him in an animal food trough because there was nothing better for his bed. He lived a life of service. A life of service where he was prepared to wash people's feet. Where he was prepared to walk through crowds and be pulled and and touched. One of the worst things at school is when students tap you and want their attention. Jesus would walk through crowds and people would be touching him, grabbing him because they wanted to get closer to him. Turning a boy's packed lunch into a meal to feed 5,000 people. Everything he did was to serve others. Hardly had a moment for himself and then gave himself to a violent death. The most cruel death that's ever been invented. Invented by the Romans. Uh, He was tortured and then hung on a cross. This incredible life and act of service and death was to welcome us. As Jill said earlier, I am chosen, not forsaken. As Josh was getting us to think, we are then adopted into his family, paid for by his blood. And what did we do? Nothing. That all happened before we were even born. We might put up our hands and say, yes, please. But all of that was done before we were even conceived. No effort of our own. This is, without doubt, the greatest scandal in history that God would come and do this. And yet, in Hebrews 12, verse 2, it says he went gladly to the cross, joyfully, for the joy set before him. And in John 1, verse 12, it says, we are children of God. We are children of God. We're adopted into that family. Um, Paul talks about this in in detail in Philippians 2, verses 1 to 11. Paul is in prison with Timothy, probably in Rome or Ephesus, locked up in chains. Typical Paul, he says, chains are good. Chains are helping me preach the gospel. They can't hold me back. Everything they do to me is just making me stronger. Whilst I'm in prison in here in chains, there's people out there preaching Jesus. The message is still going on and I need you to do it. I'm getting weary. I'm getting so tired and old now, I might nearly be 
going to die. And he says that classic line, doesn't he, that Den reminded us of last week, Philippians 1, to live is Christ, to die is gain. And then Paul writes to the people in Philippians, therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. In your relationships with each other, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. So Paul sets out there in great detail the sacrifice of Jesus and how we should follow after Jesus. He says we should forsake our status. Well, there's plenty of time where I don't feel like I have any status quite happy to give up status but as we've been reminded so powerfully this morning we are children of God now it'd be quite easy to sit back and rest in that and say thank you very much I'll accept that thank you very much but Paul is saying no you've got to forsake that to get out there and share that with those around you We're surrounded here in church by people who are so good at doing this. Whenever someone new arrives, they give up their conversation with their cliquey friends and they go and meet that new person. If they can see that there's someone in need and in help, they're making dinners, aren't they? They're taking flowers round. They're sending messages. Despite the fact they've got their own family problems, their own work issues, they're always thinking of us, aren't they? You know who you are. You probably don't know who you are. You probably don't even realise the difference that you are making day in, day out, forsaking your status for the needs of others. People do this very kindly to me. I saw this in the news about schools. It made me think of you. Just wanted to let you know I'm praying for you today. As term starts, I was thinking of you. As the exams are getting underway, thinking of you. Little messages people send that just pop up just at the right time time. Some of us think we haven't got time to be that person. Well, just a little challenge. Perhaps think about how much time you spend doom scrolling through the internet looking for connection and cut that back by 10% and be the connection yourself. Send the messages of encouragement, pick up the phone, knock on a neighbour's door Forsake your status, forsake your status updates and actually get out there 
and be that encouragement. Jesus gave us that incredible example of being a servant. Again, we see service so vividly in our church week by week. The people that are running the Super Sunday upstairs, the people who are running the creative arts thing in Delve, the people who turn up each week to do Boys Brigade, Girls Brigade. There's so many activities going on where people are serving the church, people getting in early this morning to make teas and coffees. What Den was talking about last week with the rooftop is about looking at our town and thinking, how can I serve this town? Um, I once drove into the multi-storey car park in Brentwood and just kept on going up and up and up and up until I could get to the top so I could see Brentwood and see the town from God's perspective. I don't know where in Billericay you can do that exactly, but in a way, Gary's doing it at the moment, isn't he? He's going out onto the high street, he's got his cards. What hurts you the most? What's going on in our town? Just get out there and walk around in it and see what's needed. Some of us in the church um, have, have done this and have realised there is a massive need uh, amongst young parents with young children. And they run these parent and toddler groups. And some of you come along and help every week. Um, I don't know what else the church does where we put tickets online and they sell out within three minutes every week. Within three minutes, every single ticket that we're offering for our parent and toddler group sells out. So we've had to run another one. And they both sell out. I think we could run it five times a week and sell it out. We've got people here, professional people, giving up their time to serve the community in that way. They've looked at our community and thought, what does the community need? Where is Jesus? Where would he want us to be? Let's see if we can go and serve in that way. There are people helping there who are in their 60s, 70s, maybe older, making tea, week after week after week. People giving up. They could be earning money at work. People giving up being at home and and resting and enjoying their status because they can see there's a need there. People want that connection. We've got this challenge, haven't we, to put Jesus at the heart of everything, thinking about where Jesus would be and then how we can serve there. The danger is that we serve ourselves. We think about what we want as a church and we emphasise that and Christ can get pushed out the way. We want Christ right in the middle. That means we may need to humble ourselves. We may need to give up some of the things that we enjoy that are important to us. Have you seen the small print here? Humble yourselves unto death. It's all getting a bit serious now, isn't it? But Jesus did say, take up your cross and follow me. Paul did say, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Jill's reminded us of people in the world who are actually risking their lives. I think perhaps what this means in Billericay is putting to death some of our own selfishness, some of our greed, some of the things which we're hanging on to a bit too much. 
I wonder what it is for you that perhaps is a bit too important to you that you need to be prepared to, to let go a little bit. The good news is that God will give us hearts of welcome. I found this great um, piece of the Bible which is referenced in, in Jen Oshman's book. It's written by Ezekiel who has got every reason to be in a pretty grumpy mood. He has every reason to have a hard heart. Um, He's been exiled to Babylon. His wife has died. He's about to write that incredible bit of the Bible where he talks about the, the dry bones in the desert. And he says in chapter 36... This incredible prophecy from God. And I think that this prophecy is for some of you this morning. It may be a new bit of your Bible which you're going to highlight you've not come across before. And it says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit in you and move you. What an incredible passage. Who knows what God's plan would be for you? I've been inspired this summer by rereading The Hiding Place by Corrie Ten Boom. You heard of this book? It's just the most amazing book, isn't it? I reread it and just thought, wow, Betsy and Corrie. Incredible. So during the war, they felt called to hide some of the Jews. So they built this secret panel in their house. Here is Corrie actually showing us that tiny little doorway that people used to go through and hide in this bit in their their house. They got found out by the Nazis for doing this and put into a prisoner of war camp and treated like dirt. Betsy died in the prisoner of war camp. It was so awful. And yet she had this cheerful disposition all the time she was talking to Corrie saying, we should set up a home after all this is over for, to care for everyone. Corrie thought she was talking about all of the people that had been prisoners. Betsy was talking about the Nazis. She was saying we ought to care for them because they're going to be in a mess. They're going to have PTSD and we need to be caring for them. Incredible heart that she had. What a story. Betsy dies just before they get released. And Corrie then dedicates her life to living out Betsy's mission of caring for the, you know, and and, and preaching forgiveness. And of course then, she's preaching and she's talking about forgiveness. And one of the guards is in the congregation. You remember this? And one of the guards comes up to her at the end and says, oh, great message um, about forgiveness. I'd like some of that forgiveness, please. Could you forgive me? And she's like... Do you know what? No, actually, all that you put, put me through. And it, but she knew she had to do it. So she said to God, I, I literally cannot do this. I will just raise my hand. That's what I can do. I will mechanically raise my hand. The guard reaches out and shakes the hand. And this energy comes down her arm, this supernatural energy of forgiveness to this guard. God can do the most amazing things 
with us. He is not asking us to be in a Nazi war camp. He's not asking us to forgive these prison guards who have tortured us and killed our sisters. He's just saying, look at what my son did. Can you look at that example and be inspired by it? And can you take my welcome out to people around you? It's an exciting time for our church to think about what we could be doing for our community. Could we run that parent and toddler group five days a week? Because people need that. We're having then these conversations with people there, making connections with them, talking to them about the welcome that Jesus wants to make. Interestingly, there's a little bit of danger on this front cover of this book. It says, welcome, loving your church. Remember Den said, he sometimes gets invited, come to my church. And he says, well, I would, but I couldn't because you haven't got one. It's Jesus's church. And he said, don't put the church at the heart of everything. Put Jesus at the heart of everything. The question we've got to ask ourselves is, where does Jesus want us to go? Sometimes Jesus will just take us. He took me to Sawyer's Hall Lane. He took Betsy and Corrie into a Nazi walkout. Maybe he's taking you somewhere you don't really want to be. Work Monday to Friday. The next door neighbour we can't get on with. Or maybe he's asking you to go somewhere where he needs you to be because that's where he wants to be. We've got these difficult things that we want to do Sometimes they're so hard, we can't get started. So what we're going to be trying to do over the next few weeks is break it down into some action steps. Here's a few for today to to finish with. Let's take the temperature of our own heart. How hard and cold is our heart today? If it's too hard and too cold, maybe we need to spend some time imagining all that Jesus left behind. Think again, ponder again on what he did in his rescue mission, how far he came, what he left behind. Maybe we need to spend some time studying the ways that Jesus poured himself out in the Gospels. Let's just get right back into the ways in which Jesus served and let that inspire us. At 18 years old, I decided to do an experiment. I read what it said in the Bible and just tried to do it Just tried to do the stuff that it said. Reflect on how others have embodied the Philippians 2 attitude towards us. Wouldn't be a bad idea if all of us get our phones out right now and actually send a message to one of those people who is that servant-hearted person and just say thank you for what you do thank you for being that person for me and letting them inspire us and pray to God to help us we need your help God we need you at the heart of everything so I'm going to ask the band to to come forward and lead us again in a bit of worship and I'm going to go back to that prayer that I had at the beginning and I wonder whether Looking at those words, these are words that you think you would like to say with me this morning. We're going to ask God, Jesus and the Holy Spirit to help us in this.
It's up to you. If you feel like you would like to say it out loud with me, then please do. If you'd rather just listen to it and listen to God's people saying it, then do that. Let's pray. Father God, as we, your people, gather in your name today, may we be a family defined by its servant-heartedness. Jesus, may we be inspired to follow your example. Be at the heart of everything. Holy Spirit, soften our hearts so that those around us may see your love, believe in your mercy and receive your invitation. Amen.